Chapter fifty eight, part two of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six by Francois Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty eight. Louis the sixteenth, France at home, ministry of Monsieur Necker, seventeen seventy six to seventeen eighty one, part two. It was a bold innovation. Hitherto the administration of the finances had been carefully concealed from the eyes of the public as the greatest secret in the affairs of state. For the first time the nation was called upon to take cognizance of the position of the public estate, and consequently pass judgment upon its administration. Quote, the principal cause of the financial prosperity of England in the very midst of war, said the minister, is to be found in the confidence with which the English regard their administration and the source of the government's credit. The annual publication of a financial report was, M. Necker thought, likely to inspire the same confidence in France. It was paying a great compliment to public opinion to attribute to it the power derived from free institutions and to expect from satisfied curiosity the serious results of a control as active as it was minute. The report to the king was, moreover, not of a nature to stand the investigation of a parliamentary committee. In publishing it, M. Necker had a double end in view. He wanted, by an able exposition of the condition of the treasury, to steady the public credit which was beginning to totter to bring in fresh subscribers for the loans which were so necessary to support the charges of the war. He wanted at the same time to call to mind the benefits and successes of his own administration, to restore the courage of his friends and reduce his enemies to silence. With this complication of intentions he had drawn up a report on the ordinary state of expenditure and receipts, designedly omitting the immense sacrifices demanded by the land and sea armaments as well as the advances made to the united states he thus arrived by a process rather ingenious than honest at the establishment of a budget showing a surplus of ten million livres the maliciousness of m de maurepas found a field for its exercise in the calculations which he had officially overhauled in council the report was in a cover of blue marbled paper. Quote, Have you read the Comte Bleu, or a lying story? he asked everybody who went to see him, and when he was told of the great effect which M. Necker's work was producing on the public, quote, I know, I know, said the veteran minister, shrugging his shoulders. We have fallen from turgomancy into necromancy. End quote. M. Necker had boldly defied the malevolence of his enemies. Quote, I have never, said he, offered sacrifice to influence or power. I have disdained to indulge vanity. I have renounced the sweetest of private pleasures, that of serving my friends or winning the gratitude of those who are about me. If anybody owes to my mere favor a place, a post, let us have the name. End quote. He enumerated all the services he had rendered to the king, to the state, to the nation, with that somewhat pompous satisfaction which was afterwards discernible in his memoir. There it was that he wrote, quote, 
perhaps he who contributed by his energies to keep off new imposts during five such expensive years he who was able to devote to all useful works the funds which had been employed upon them in the most tranquil times he who gratified the king's heart by providing him with the means of distributing among his provinces the same aids as during the war and even greater he who at the same time proffered to the monarch's amiable impatience the resources necessary in order to commence in the midst of war the improvement of the prisons and the hospitals he who indulged his generous inclinations by inspiring him with the desire of extinguishing the remnants of serfage he who rendering homage to the monarch's character seconded his disposition towards order and economy he who pleaded for the establishment of paternal administrations in which the simplest dwellers in the country places might have some share he who by manifold cares by manifold details caused the prince's name to be blessed even in the hovels of the poor perhaps such a servant has some right to dare without blushing to point out as one of the first rules of administration love and care for the people Quote, on the whole says m droz with much justice in his excellent histoire du règne de louis xvi the report was a very ingenious work which appeared to prove a great deal and proved nothing m necker however had made no mistake about the effect which might be produced by this confidence apparently so bold as to the condition of affairs in a single year seventeen eighty one the loans amounted to two hundred and thirty-six millions thus exceeding in a few months the figures reached in the four previous years a chorus of praises arose even in england reflected from the minister on to his sovereign Quote, it is in economy said mr burke that louis the sixteenth has found resources sufficient to keep up the war in the first two years of this war he imposed no burden on his people the third year has arrived there has as yet been no question of any impost indeed i believe that those which are a matter of course in time of war have not yet been put on i apprehend that in the long run it will no doubt be necessary for france to have recourse to imposts but these three years saved will scatter their beneficent influence over a whole century the french people feel the blessing of having a master and minister devoted to economy economy has induced this monarch to trench upon his own splendour rather than upon his people's subsistence he has found in the suppression of a great number of places a resource for continuing the war without increasing his expenses he has stripped himself of the magnificence and pomp of royalty but he has manned a navy he has reduced the number of persons in his private service but he has increased that of his vessels louis the sixteenth like a patriotic king has shown sufficient firmness to protect m necker a foreigner without support or connection at court who owes his elevation to nothing but his own merit and the discernment of the sovereign who had sagacity enough to discover him and to his wisdom which can appreciate him it is a noble example to follow if we would conquer france it is on this ground and with her own weapons that we must fight her economy and reforms 
it was those reforms for which the english orator gave credit to m necker and louis the sixteenth that rendered the minister's fall more imminent every day he had driven into coalition against him the powerful influences of the courtiers of the old families whose hereditary destination was office in the administration and of the parliament everywhere irritated and anxious he had lessened the fortunes and position of the two former classes and his measures tended to strip the magistracy of the authority whereof they were so jealous Quote, when circumstances require it m necker had said in the report the augmentation of imposts is in the hands of the king for it is the power to order them which constitutes sovereign greatness and in a secret memoir which saw publicity by perfidious means quote, the imposts are at their height and minds are more than ever turned towards administrative subjects the result is a restless and confused criticism which adds constant fuel to the desire felt by the parliaments to have a hand in the matter this feeling on their part becomes more and more manifest and they set to work like all those bodies that wish to acquire power by speaking in the name of the people calling themselves defenders of the nation's rights there can be no doubt but that though they are strong neither in knowledge nor in pure love for the well-being of the state they will put themselves forward on all occasions as long as they believe that they are supported by public opinion it is necessary therefore either to take this support away from them or to prepare for repeated contests which will disturb the tranquillity of your majesty's reign and will lead successively either to a degradation of authority or to extreme measures of which one cannot exactly estimate the consequences in order to apply a remedy to the evils he demonstrated as well as to those which he foresaw m necker had borrowed some shreds from the great system of local assemblies devised by m turgot he had proposed to the king and already organized in berry the formation of provincial assemblies recruited in every district or generalité from among the three orders of the noblesse the clergy and the third estate a part of the members were to be chosen by the king these were commissioned to elect their colleagues and the assembly was afterwards to fill up its own vacancies as they occurred the provincial administration was thus confided almost entirely to the assemblies that of berry had already abolished forced labour and collected two hundred thousand livres by voluntary contribution for objects of public utility the assembly of haute guienne was in course of formation the districts or generalité of grenoble montauban and moulins claimed the same privilege the parliaments were wroth to see this assault upon their power louis the sixteenth had hesitated a long while before authorizing the attempt Quote, the presidents born the councillors the members of the state's districts or pays d'etat do not add to the happiness of frenchmen in the districts which are under their administration wrote the king in his marginal notes to m necker's scheme most certainly brittany with its states is not happier than normandy which happens to be without them the most just and most natural among the powers of the parliaments is that of hanging robbers of the finances in the event of provincial administrations it must not be taken away 
it concerns and appertains to the repose of my people to preserve privileges the instinct of absolute power and the traditions of the kingship struggled in the narrow mind and honest heart of louis the sixteenth against the sincere desire to ameliorate the position of his people and against a vague impression of new requirements it was to the former of these motives that m de vergennes appealed in his note to the king on the effect of the report Quote, your majesty he said is enjoying the tranquillity which you owe to the long experience of your ancestors and to the painful labours of the great ministers who succeeded in establishing subordination and great respect in france there is no longer in france clergy or noblesse or third state the distinction is factitious merely representative and without real meaning the monarch speaks all else are people and all else obey Quote, Monsieur Necker does not appear content with this happy state of things. Our inevitable evils and the abuses flowing from such a position are in his eyes monstrosities. A foreigner, a republican, and a protestant, instead of being struck with the majestic totality of this harmony, he sees only the discordance, and he makes out of them a totality which he desires to have the pleasure and the distinction of reforming in order to obtain for himself the fame of a salon or a lycurgus your majesty sir told me to open my heart to you a contest has begun between the regimen of france and the regimen of m necker if his ideas should triumph over those which have been consecrated by long experience after the precedent of law of mazarin and of the lorraine princes m necker with his genevese and protestant plans is quite prepared to set up in france a system in the finance or a league in the state or a fronde against the established administration he has conducted the king's affairs in a manner so contrary to that of his predecessors that he is at this moment suspected by the clergy hateful to the grandees of the state hounded to the death by the heads of finance or la haute finance dishonoured amongst the magistracy his report on the whole is a mere appeal to the people the pernicious consequences whereof to this monarchy cannot as yet be felt or foreseen m necker it is true has won golden opinions from the philosophy and the innovators of these days but your majesty has long ago appraised the character of such support in his report m necker lays it down that advantage has been taken of the veil drawn over the state of finances in order to obtain amidst the general confusion a credit which the state would not otherwise be entitled to it is a new position and a remarkable one in our history is that of m necker teaching the party he calls public opinion that under a good king under a monarch beloved of the people the minister of finance has become the sole hope the sole security by his moral qualities of the lenders and experts who watch the government it will be long before your majesty will close up the wound inflicted upon the dignity of the throne by the hand of the very person in the official position to preserve it and make it respected by the people the adroit malevolence of m de vergennes had managed to involve in one and the same condemnation the bold innovations of m necker and the faults he had committed from a self-conceit which was sensitive and frequently hurt 
he had not mentioned m de maurepas in his long exposition of public administration and it was upon the virtue of the finance minister that he had wrested all the fabric of public confidence the contest was every day becoming fiercer and the parties warmer the useful reforms the generous concern for the woes and the wants of the people the initiative of which belonged to m necker but which the king always regarded with favour were by turns exclusively attributed to the minister and to louis the sixteenth in the pamphlets published every day madame necker became anxious and heartbroken at the vexation which such attacks caused her husband Quote, the slightest cloud upon his character was the greatest suffering the affairs of life could cause him writes madame de stel the worldly aim of all his actions the land breeze which sped his bark was love of reputation madame necker took it into her head to write without her husband's knowledge to m de maurepas to complain of the libel spread about against m necker and ask him to take the necessary measures against these anonymous publications this was appealing to the very men who secretly encouraged them quote, although madame necker had plenty of wits she bred in the mountains of switzerland had no conception of such an idiosyncrasy as that of m de maurepas a man who saw in an outspoken expression of feeling only an opportunity of discovering the vulnerable point as soon as he knew m necker's susceptibility he flattered himself that by irritating it he would drive him to give in his resignation consideration sur la revolution française page one o five m necker had gained a victory over m de maurepas when he succeeded in getting m de sartine and the prince of montbarry superseded by messieurs de castries and de ségur late lieutenant of police with no knowledge of administration m de sartine by turns rash and hesitating had failed in the difficult department of the ministry of marine during a distant war waged on every sea to him were attributed the unsatisfactory results obtained by the great armaments of france he was engaged in the intrigue against m necker the latter relied upon the influence of the queen who supported messieurs de castries and de ségur both friends of hers m de sartine was disgraced he dragged down with him in his fall the prince of montbarry the heretofore indifferent lieutenant of m de saint-germain m de maurepas was growing feeble the friends of m necker declared that he had drivelled and the latter already aspired to the aged minister's place as a first step the director-general of finance boldly demanded to be henceforth admitted to the council louis the sixteenth hesitated perplexed and buffeted between contrary influences and desires he was grateful to m necker for the courageous suppressions he had accomplished and for the useful reforms whereof the honour was to remain inseparable from his name it was at m necker's advice that he had abolished mortemain in his dominions a remnant of feudal serfdom still deprived certain of the rural classes subject to the tenement law of the right to marry or bequeath what they possessed to their children without permission of their lord if they left the land which made them liable to this tyranny their heritage reverted of right to the proprietor of the fief 
perfectly admitting the iniquity of the practice, Louis the Sixteenth did not want to strike a blow at the principle of property. He confined himself to giving a precedent which the Parliament enregistered with this reservation, quote, without there being anything in the present edict which can in any way interfere with the rights of lords. End quote. A considerable number of noblemen imitated the sovereign, many held out, amongst others the chapter of St. Claude. The enfranchisement of the serfs of the Jura, in whose favour Voltaire had but lately pleaded, would have cost the chapter twenty-five thousand livres a year. The monks demanded an indemnification from government. The body serfs, who were in all places persecuted by the seigneurial rights, and who would not make wills even on free soil, found themselves everywhere enfranchised from this harsh law. Louis XVI abolished the droit de suite, or henchman law, as well as the use of the preparatory question or preliminary torture applied to defendants. The regimen of prisons was at the same time ameliorated, the dark dungeons of old times restored to daylight the wretches who were still confined in them. So many useful and beneficent measures, in harmony with the king's honest and generous desires, but opposed to the prejudices still potent in many minds, and against the interests of many people, kept up about M. Necker, for all the esteem and confidence of the general public, powerful hatreds ably served. His admission to the council was decidedly refused. Quote, you may be admitted, said M. de Maurepas with his usual malice, if you please to abjure the errors of Calvin. M. Necker did not deign to reply. Quote, you, who, being quite certain that I would not consent, proposed to me a change of religion in order to smooth away the obstacles you put in my path, says M. Necker in his memoir. What would you not have thought me worthy of after such baseness? It was rather in respect of the vast finance administration that this scruple should have been raised. Up to the moment when it was entrusted to me, it was uncertain whether I was worth an exception to the general rules. What new obligation could be imposed upon him who held the post before promising? If I was passionately attached to the place I occupied, says M. Necker again, it is on grounds for which I have no reason to blush. I consider that the administrator of finance, who is responsible on his honour for ways and means, ought for the welfare of the state and for his own reputation to be invited especially after several years ministry to the deliberations touching peace and war and i looked upon it as very important that he should be able to join his reflections to those of the king's other servants a place in the council may as a general rule be a matter in which self-love is interested but i am going to say a proud thing when one has cherished another passion, when one has sought praise and glory, when one has followed after those triumphs which belong to oneself alone, one regards rather coolly such functions as are shared with others. Quote. Quote, Your Majesty saw that M. Necker, in his dangerous proposal, was sticking to his place with a tenacity which lacks neither reason nor method said M. de Vergennes in a secret note addressed to the king. He aspires to new favours, 
calculated from their nature to scare and rouse that long array of enemies by whom his religion his birth his wife the epochs and improvements of their fortune are at every moment of his administration exposed to the laughter or the scrutiny of the public your majesty finds yourself once more in the position in which you were with respect to m turgot when you thought proper to accelerate his retirement the same dangers and the same inconveniences arise from the nature of their analogous systems it was paying m necker a great compliment to set his financial talents on a par with the grand views noble schemes and absolute disinterestedness of m turgot nevertheless when the latter fell public opinion had become if not hostile at any rate indifferent to him it still remained faithful to m necker withdrawing his pretensions to admission into the council the director-general of finance was very urgent to obtain other marks of the royal confidence necessary he said to keep up the authority of his administration m de maurepas had no longer the pretext of religion but he hit upon others which wounded m necker deeply the latter wrote to the king on a small sheet of common paper without heading or separate line and as if he were suddenly resuming all the forms of republicanism quote, the conversation i have had with m de maurepas permits me to no longer defer placing my resignation in the king's hands i feel my heart quite lacerated by it and i dare to hope that his majesty will deign to preserve some remembrance of five years successful but painful toil and especially of the boundless zeal with which i devoted myself to his service end quote. may nineteenth seventeen eighty three monsieur necker had been treated less harshly than monsieur turgot the king accepted his resignation without having provoked it the queen made some efforts to retain him but m necker remained inflexible quote, reserved as he was says his daughter he had a proud disposition a sensitive spirit he was a man of energy in his whole style of sentiments the fallen minister retired to his country-house at saint-ouen he was accompanied thither by the respect and regret of the public and the most touching proofs of their esteem quote, you would have said to see the universal astonishment that never was news so unexpected as that of m necker's resignation writes grimm in his correspondance littéraire consternation was depicted on every face those who felt otherwise were in a very small minority they would have blushed to show it the walks the cafés all the public thoroughfares were full of people but an extraordinary silence prevailed people looked at one another and mournfully wrung one another's hands as if in the presence i would say of a public calamity were it not that these first moments of distress resembled rather the grief of a disconsolate family which has just lost the object and the mainstay of its hopes the same evening they gave at the comedie francaise a performance of the partie de chasse de henri iv i have often seen at the play in paris allusions to passing events caught up with great cleverness but i never saw any which were so with such palpable and general an interest every piece of applause when there was anything concerning sully 
seemed so to speak to bear a special character a shade appropriate to the sentiment the audience felt it was by turns that of sorrow and sadness of gratitude and respect the applause often came so as to interrupt the actor the moment it was foreseen that the sequel of a speech might be applicable to the public feeling towards m necker the players have been to make their excuses to the lieutenant of police they established their innocence by proving that the piece had been on the list for a week they had been forgiven and it was thought enough to take this opportunity of warning the journalists not to speak of m necker for the future well or ill m necker derived some balm from these manifestations of public feeling but the love of power the ambition that prompted the work he had undertaken the bitterness of hopes deceived still possessed his soul when he entered his study at saint ouen and saw on his desk the memoranda of his schemes his plans for reforming the gable for suppressing custom-houses for extending provincial assemblies he threw himself back in his armchair and dropping the papers he held in his hand burst into tears like him m turgot had wept when he heard of the re-establishment of forced labour and jurands i quitted office says m necker leaving funds secured for a whole year i quitted it when there were in the royal treasury more ready money and more realizable effects than had ever been there within the memory of man and at a moment when the public confidence completely restored had risen to the highest pitch under other circumstances i should have been more appreciated but it is when one can be rejected and one is no longer essentially necessary that one is permitted to fall back upon one's own reflections now there is a contemptible feeling which may be easily found lurking in the recesses of the human heart that of preferring for one's retirement the moment at which one might enjoy the embarrassment of one's successor i should have been forever ashamed of such conduct i chose that which was alone becoming for him who having clung to his place from honourable motives cannot on quitting it sever himself for one instant from the commonwealth m necker fell with the fixed intention and firm hope of soon regaining power he had not calculated either the strength or the inveteracy of his enemies or the changeableness of that public opinion on which he relied before the distresses of the estate forced louis the sixteenth to recall a minister whom he had deeply wounded the evils which the latter had sought to palliate would have increased with frightful rapidity and the remedy would have slipped definitively out of hands too feeble for the immense burden they were still ambitious to bear End of chapter fifty eight